Welcome to Millennial Mom. I'm your host, Casey Potts, and I'm here to help my fellow millennial moms overcome the overwhelm of everyday life with confidence, humor, and style. I want you to look at this show as your go-to resource, your virtual bestie, or your secret weapon to sanity. I may not have all the answers, but I am searching for them just like you. Why don't we find them together? So get comfy and get curious. You found your community here on Millennial Mom. Welcome to Millennial Mom. I'm your host, Casey Potts. Today's episode are for all the hot mess moms out there. And I don't mean that in a negative way. We are all a little bit of a hot mess, but my guest today is going to help us become a little less of a hot mess. Let me tell you about Caitlin Soleil. She is a therapist specializing in women's health, motherhood, parenting, and anxiety. She wrote A Little Less of a Hot Mess to invite women to reclaim their identity and improve their mental health with a practical framework called Imperfect Growth and Evolution. Caitlin is also a mom to three, a writer, a speaker, and a media contributor. Caitlin is on a mission to empower modern women and elevate conversations around mental health care so that we can thrive at home, at work, and beyond. I am so excited for you to listen to our conversation. Check it out. Just a quick note, this episode was recorded under Casey's Corner, so don't be surprised if there are a few references. I am so glad that you are here on the all-new Millennial Mom. Caitlin, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited. Me too. So I I just have, I'm going to give the listeners a little bit of backstory here and kind of how we connected. We met at a um, Hey Mama event here in LA. I know you're up in Northern California though, but you came down to share your incredible book, which we'll talk about. But I don't know, you were up on that panel, girl. And I just, everything you said, I was like trying to write it down on my phone as quickly as possible because I totally felt like you got it. And you were putting into words kind of the jumble of thoughts that had been in my head for a long time around being a millennial mom and being a parent in today's current society, which is so crazy and so much pressure that we feel. So with that, I just have to say thank you for taking the time and hanging out here on Casey's Corner. Um, And I want you to take a second and tell us all about yourself and kind of how you came about with this awesome book. Yes. I just want to start with saying same. I loved meeting you when you came up to me and introduced yourself. Um, And I I think we ended up chatting more online after because it was a little bit like crazy after the event. But all the things you said, I really appreciate because my hope when I show up either um, on social media or in workshops I do and speaking I do is to just come at people as a human first and a therapist second, mm-hmm. um, because I live through all the same things, um, you know, you do and moms do, and I experience all the same feelings. So I think that what I really try and do to, to, um, stay authentic to myself is speak about my own experience and story and not just talk about like what we kind of like um, should do in theory as parents and as moms. So thank you for that. Um, A little bit about me and my background. Like you said, I, um, well, I don't know if you said this, I'm a therapist and I'm an author, uh, a new author. I wrote my first book came out last March. It's called a little less of a hot mess. uh, The modern mom's guide to growth and evolution this book for me was really born out of a place of, it was the beginning of the pandemic. I really, I was seeing a ton of clients. I was hearing all these stories, of course, of parents and moms struggling. Oh gosh, that time was so hard with like trying to figure out how to do all the things and keep life as quote unquote normal as possible. 
And I needed something to do with all that energy and all the things I had been learning in the space of um, psychology and mental health. So I sat down and I said, this is crazy, but I think I'm going to write a book. And I started laying out an outline for a book, which essentially um, would cover all the main things that I hear like women and moms, especially come in and talk about in the therapy room, whether it's like struggling to um, believe they're worth the time and space for therapy or personal growth in the first place to find the time and space to set boundaries in relationships, to let go of old stories that don't serve them. So I started thinking about all those bigger themes and um, put it into a book. And that's what Hot Mess is. Um, And it really lines up with my work as a therapist. I have a private practice here in uh, the Bay Area, and I specialize in women's mental health and anxiety disorders. And beyond my professional life, I'm a mom to three. I have a nine-year-old, seven-year-old. No, sorry. She's not even nine. Oh my gosh. She's eight. Oh my gosh. She's almost nine. Oh, right. It happens. She's, it happens. It, she's almost, she's almost nine to be fair. A uh, seven-year-old and a new five, a newly five-year-old little guy. So um, it's crazy in my household. Oh, and I'm married to a firefighter. And so he does shift work. And so our life and schedule is, uh, you know, we're figuring it out on the daily and it's, it's been a real challenge. So you deal with everything from solo parenting to anxious parenting, yes. <laughs> toddler parenting, all all in between. I think that there's, you know, you mentioned kind of the different themes of the book, which I love and appreciate so much. Everything from you know that anxious feeling and feeling like you're not even worth the time and effort that you could put into yourself. Mm-hmm. and seeking out therapy and those sort of things. I think that that resonates so much with moms right now. And, you know, I was, I was hiking with a girlfriend yesterday and we were talking about this ongoing theme of just feeling like we can't keep up, especially for those of us who are stay at home moms and aren't, you know, financially contributing to the household and feeling like, what, what value do I have? What, Mm. what's my contribution? And yes, it's so funny too, because it's never necessary, or I would say most of the time, at least in our house, it's not my husband who's verbalizing this and putting that pressure on me and making me feel that way at all. It's me kind of bouncing off of him and letting Mm -hmm. it reverberate back to me. Mm -hmm. So how often do you kind of see this, um, transpire in both stay at home moms, working moms, how does it look different? Or is it kind of all the same struggle that we're facing? Gosh, I've, I, my, you know, without thinking about this, you know, for a while in this moment, I will just say it feels like no matter what, if you're a stay at home mom, uh, working out of the home mom, because by the way, being a stay at home mom is a full-time job. I know, you know, that, um, Uh, But either way, what I think you're speaking to is that sense of guilt and uh, question around identity that so many moms and women face. And so it looks different. It might look a little different. I think for stay-at-home moms, like you you named it, it's like this underlying, um, this, this story around if I'm not contributing financially to the family, what is my worth? Do I even deserve to go on a hike with a girlfriend? Do I even deserve to like go to therapy or go out with my friends or whatever, or buy that new pair of jeans? And it's like, first of all, I, I come back to, it's a full-time job. Um, I am a, and besides, you know, in my work as a therapist, I'm also a fair play coach and facilitator. So I talk, a, I think, and talk a lot about gender equity and mm-hmm. um, we, there's all these amazing facts about 
the truth that work stay-at-home moms actually if you had to pay somebody to do all the jobs yes. that stay-at-home moms did right like have you seen that it's like it equals like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year so like oh, i just totally try and like bring that to the surface or kind of talk about that so that stay-at-home moms can recognize that what they do is really important and yes they do deserve to have the agency over their life for working moms or moms who work out of the house which a lot of times now looks like hybrid it's confusing it's hard i think it's that feeling of i can never quite nail anything like i i can't fully be at work and dedicate all my time to that because i got to be at pickup by 3:30 or i've got to make sure i make that game or oh gosh did i forget the lunch right um or at, you know when you're with the kids you're like i've got to get that email done and so the pace we're going at to try and be everything in all the different spaces like you're speaking to is just really hard, no matter kind of what our role is. Yeah. I think this is actually the perfect segue into something that I have really been leaning on lately, which is a term that, uh, it's so funny because when I brought it up to my husband and he was like, he looked at me like a deer in a headlight, like, what are you <laughs> talking about? Um, call the invisible load. Yes. And I think that, you know, you kind of just alluded to it too, in your answer about no matter if you're a mom who's working in the home, out of the home, stay at home, mom, full-time job, whatever, we somehow manage to continuously pile on this invisible load. And I see it as, and I want to get your feedback on it, but it's all the things that you can't tangibly write down on paper that like on a to-do list that right. need to get done. And it's like, you don't necessarily have quote unquote, the receipts for these kind of things, but it's, you know, okay. So your kid gets invited to a birthday party who has to go buy the present or first, oh, no, let's do this one first. Who has to RSVP to the birthday party? Yes. Who has Good. to then buy the gift for the birthday party? Who has to wrap said gift? Who has to remind your kid to write the birthday card or, you know, write their name in the birthday card, whatever that might be who then brings their kid to the birthday party, who has to stay at the birth. It's all these little tiny things that on yes. the calendar, it might just say Johnny's birthday party. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Right. But there's such a bigger effort that goes into it. And then this, I was talking with my friend about this recently that, okay, so that's you as the guest, right? What about as the mom who's planning this birthday party? Oh, What's yeah. her invisible load? Right. And this comes up. We did this for Kennedy's birthday with her classmates. We really tried to say no gifts. And I know that it's hard for people not to do gifts and like they feel weird coming up empty hand or, you know, coming in empty handed. And I feel like that's something we were kind of raised with. Sure. Right. Never show up empty handed. Um, but be a, good, be a good guest. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but the amount of gifts that did show up that were duplicates of things that she had, maybe a theme or a princess or something she wasn't really into. Um, so then it's the, okay, well, here are these gifts. I either need to re-gift them, donate, return. Uh, who disposes of all the cardboard and all the packaging? And all, like it's all these little all things, the things that we are trying to figure out why do I feel crazy? Why do I feel so overwhelmed? Why do I feel so overloaded? But it's this invisible load that keeps piling up. And I just, I oh, feel like yeah. I need to start talking about it more because I think we all kind of feel it. So I'd love your kind of input and feedback on it. 
I love everything you just said. It is so relatable and so on point. Um, it sounds like you've already done some thinking and talking about the invisible load. If um, if you aren't aware, I highly suggest before I kind of talk more about this, everyone check out um, Fair Play Life. So Fair Play is a book that was written by my friend and colleague, Eve Rodsky. It was a New York Times bestselling book. I'm sure most of you have heard of it by now, um, but it um, talks about exactly what you're talking about, Casey, this invisible load um, and talks a lot about how women, why women have become the she fault or default parent, kind of the history behind it. And then um, gives us a solution that we can work together with our partner to bring more equity into the home. Before we kind of dive into that though, so check out Fair Play. They have a great Instagram account. Check out the book. You're going to like, you're going to go down the rabbit hole, right? Um, the invisible load is exactly what I think of it as exactly what you're saying. It's all the things that we do that people can't see. In fact, in the book, Eve Rodsky talks about how she came up with this whole fair play system. One of her kind of um, moments in, you know, that really influenced the start of the system was she is a full-time lawyer. She's got, you know, three kids. She was, you know, went into her marriage and her relationship expecting an equal partnership. They both were working parents, right? Then kids happen, babies happen. And all of a sudden she was like, what in the actual, like, what is happening? Mm -hmm. She was driving one day and she talks about like, you know, like she's got like a contract on her lap. She's got like a pen stabbing her in the vagina. <laughs> she's like, oh my God. And she gets a text from her husband and I'm not going to tell us as good as she does. And he's like, I'm surprised you forgot the blueberries. And she pulled over. She broke down crying and was essentially like, what is my life? The freaking blueberries, right? Yeah, that's, so that's then she important. wrote this list that was, uh, ended up writing this list called the shit I do. And it was a spreadsheet. This is how she realized. And she shared it with her friends and all these women were adding to it. She's like, oh my God, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. It was endless. So it's the things we do that people don't see or necessarily recognize and namely, and I'll be gendered here, namely men, mm -hmm. and it's not their fault. And this is a big part of what we teach in fair play is it's the way they've been. Um, uh, what, what do we say? The way they've been shaped to grow up in this yeah. world as um, they're really great executors. And I know for my husband, I talk about this a lot. So he can do the things like take them to the practice. He could be the coach. He's really good and he loves and he shows up for our kids in all these incredible ways. But a lot of what I what we call in fair play, the conceptualization. So is still on is on me and is on. And I think a lot of you will relate. So there's three parts to a task. There is conceptual conceptualization, which you were talking about, like what even goes into this task, mm -hmm. planning what will need to happen to make this thing happen and then execution. And the conceptualization and the planning is where women are like, oh, my gosh, we need some help. We don't need, we, we don't, uh, we want you to anticipate what's needed because you are a grown adult who can see what's happening in our home. And I don't want to have to write a list to tell you what to do because that is just more work for me. So I think that's, I hope that's kind of helpful, but that's kind of how I think about invisible load. And I think about it as a nuanced thing. And the fact that it's not men's fault or our fault for taking it on, it's a system that we, that we're a part of that we can, work towards changing and it does take time and practice. Absolutely. I think that there, and that's again, same with like my guilt of not financially contributing in the home. It's nothing that my husband is intentionally doing or not no. doing. It's the fact that there's so much more that we just, and I think that this has to do with women's intuition too. Like we are so intuitive and just kind of know what needs to happen where men kind of need to be either 
it's funny because it's we get mansplained, but like how many yeah. times do women actually have to be like, no, I need you to take the garbage yes, yes. out of the bin, bring yes. it outside. Um, but we haven't come up with a, a cute that, term of that yet. That's called, I, I have a term and it may not be popular with the husbands, but it's called weaponized incompetence. Have you heard this term? No, but continue. <laughs> Weaponizing competence, again, not necessarily their fault, but it's the idea of, oh, I, I don't know how to do that. So it's probably just easier if you do it, right? It's like the helplessness that then makes their life easier. And a lot of that has to do with the way, and this isn't all men, but the way they were raised in a, but in a time where it was expected, they did see their moms take on more of that stuff, right? And so they didn't learn all the different steps to a task, nor were they necessarily asked to do them. That isn't the case for all men, but weaponizing competence is, is what I would, what I call that. And I can so relate, like when it comes to like, uh, the parent square app, we use this app for school where mm -hmm. the teachers, right. Can correspond with the parents. And I know my husband has it on his phone too. And like, I, I just was like, wait, I know you saw that message. So why am I the one, this is where fair play can really help. So I'm going to, I know I keep talking about fair play and I talk, you know, we're talking about my book, but I am a person who just wants to share helpful resources. I don't give a shit if it's like my book or someone else's totally. book. Fair play is where it's at. But yes, it's so um, it's 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 so true. All the things you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I and I think you're right, too, that it's such a generational um, mindset that has been passed down from yeah. the boomers. And, yes. you know, obviously if you're hanging out here on Casey's corner, you know, that I am living in the, the title of the millennial mom. And yes. I think that there is, you know, such an awakening. And I feel like you get it, you get the term millennial mom. So I want you to just kind of say, what does that kind of mean to you of being a millennial mom? For me, being a millennial mom, let me just like say that word. That is a little bit of a tongue twister, a isn't bit. it? Is about like, um, gosh, it's, I feel empowered to be a millennial mom. I don't know if that's, I feel like it's a time of taking agency that wasn't necessarily, um, that moms didn't necessarily feel as free to take before. So I think there's a lot of power in being a millennial mom, but I think the challenge is we are also, challenging all these narratives and these old stories that no longer that we know no longer serve us or our children well so being a money mom is hard because we're like trying to really break cycles change the story like you know do all the things without um you know with all while all the while knowing that if we do too much and we don't take care of ourselves we're going to end up suffering and it's not even good for our kids so it can feel a little bit, like you said, just you're taking on so much and yet you know that you need to pull back and slow down, but it feels so big, right? Like it feels like I do want to change this narrative. I do want to change this story for my daughters so that they're not having this conversation around, you know, weaponizing competence and um, their partners not sharing the load. I want that to be different. No, I agree. And I think, I feel like with all this awareness uh, and all the resources that are available, especially to our generation. And I would say we'll, we'll include the Xers in there and like the Xennials. Yeah. Um, I think that there really is this rebellion kind of brewing mm. where in we've the had world, enough, right? Yeah. Right. We've had enough of the pressure. We've had enough of the, what we are supposed to do and what we should be doing. And 
you know, as a therapist, I feel like you very likely hear this often that there's such a lack of support from the generation that raised us mm. where, you know, and I'm sorry, mom, I'm going to call you out right now, but <laughs> we'll, see hey, actually, we'll see how much she listens to my show. Um, that I think that there's this kind of um, headbutting that's happening where I personally am trying to put a stop to the abundance of stuff and just feeling like, again, because it adds to my invisible load of cool. Thank you so much for sending Kennedy, all this stuff. But now who has to get rid of the the big cardboard box that it came in? Like, where's it going to go? How is it going to fit into the playroom and all this kind of stuff? So, you know, we've been kind of, sorry, I forget about trying to raise like, you know, like ecologically, like (laughs) kids who understand that like, this is waste. Right. So yeah, sorry to add to the load. We're also thinking about global warming warming and all the things. Yeah. It's all the boomers fault. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah, you come up against each other in that way. Yeah. yeah. And you know, even so much as I didn't put up a Christmas tree this year and she was dumbfounded by the fact (laughs) that I would not put up a Christmas tree. How could I do that to get <laughs> you are ruining daughter. her life, Casey. How oh my gosh, dare. I was ruining. I was damaging. This is going to be what sends well, Kennedy. Can I to ask therapy. you what did what did what did your daughter? What's your daughter's name? Kennedy. Kennedy. That's right. What did Kennedy like? What was her reaction to no Christmas tree? So I didn't put up a Christmas tree because we weren't going to be here for Christmas. Yeah, we were traveling for Christmas, so we talked about the giant Christmas tree that was going to be at you know on that's the cruise right. ship. Yeah, and we talked about how. You know, I mean, you're Santa, going on a dang cruise, girl. Yeah, how lucky. Santa would find her on the Disney cruise. We brought her elf. Like I had the story covered. I'm very creative. Like I had my yes. my shit covered. Yeah. And um, I did have like a small three foot tree that I said, I told her, if you want to put that up in your playroom, like you can use that. When my mom was here, she's the one who put it up. Oh yeah. Sounds, Kennedy sounds had relatable. Yeah. Kennedy had zero interest in helping her put it up or decorating it. Yes. You had to take that shit down. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So I was so upset that I was like, I didn't want this. And I really tried to set that boundary and be secure in my decision of that. But I think that there's a lot of um, Mm. pressure and a lot of kind of I guess the, the best term really is headbutting when we try mm. to make these stances as our independent selves and as mothers and as our own, you know, being a parent ourselves, that we kind of end up in this really vicious kind of cycle that I feel like as a therapist, again, you probably hear and could maybe shed some light on. Yeah. And as a human, I experience it too. So again, I feel like you, you've like really brought to light an issue that, is so um, important and so relatable. I think, yes, so many of my clients feel this. So many people I talk to, not just clients, my friends, I feel this. Um, and what is important to us has is different than what was necessarily important to our parents. Not all the things, but a lot of the things are different and our values are different. And so how do, I guess the question really is, how do I parent from a place of my own um, agency, right? Or a place of my own values, and still honor them and what they taught me and how I was raised. And that can feel messy sometimes because we feel like when we know we're doing the right thing for ourselves and our, our nuclear family or our children, it can feel in opposition to what our parents wanted for us or what they did. 
And so all I can say to that, it was a lot of things, actually, not all I can say a lot of things, but the thing I will say to that, and what I am working through in my own life is coming back to what we know to be true, coming back to that, just because somebody else, even if it's our mom or whatever is ups- is feeling upset by a boundary we set, it's still okay to set that boundary. It's easier said than done. And that at the end of the day, the best we can do for ourselves and our children is parent in line with our values. And it is going to rock the boat. And you're right. We are in a weird position where our parents, at least I'll speak for mine and they're, they've got opinions, right? They feel like the way they raised us. And my parents luckily can look back and I feel like they have a lot of um, ability to reflect and say like, yeah, that was probably not the best, or this was, you know, but they feel like we're too woke and it's too much. And we're trying, you know, And so it can feel like a really challenging space to be. So I guess just, it's hard. What does Dr. Becky always say? I love it. It it feels hard because it is hard. Mm. Um, And still, I think it's important to choose yourself and choose your values, even when it makes other people upset or they don't get it. So I want to say this about what you did with the Christmas tree. I love that. I'm so glad that you, I was going to say, I'm so glad you did it anyway. Like you didn't put up the crisp sheet, but then I heard you say like your mom did it anyway, but mm-hmm. you know what? It worked out because you ended up, um, saying, mom, I don't think this is a big deal. Right. Like, I don't think this is going to like make or break her Christmas. We're going on a freaking Disney cruise. Right. Turns out you were right. She didn't even care about the tree. Like we, right. I'm sure you moved on, but mm-hmm. yeah. And, and that's the thing is that I think we, and maybe man, see, Caitlin, now you're going to be my therapist. Um, <laughs> I'm here for it. <laughs> you're mine too. It's cool. Yeah. There's such a, you're bringing up all these things that, that are so, um, again, that like really like hit me. Cause it's like all the same things I deal with. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's why I am excited to kind of just share it and just talk about it. Cause I know I'm not alone. And I know that the feelings that I have very well could be replicated or, you know, being replicated in someone else's life. So always are. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's this ongoing feeling of not feeling like we're enough as parents, right. Or that we're not doing enough. So kind of hearing that from my mom was like, ah, crap, I didn't do enough. Again, I didn't do all the things I didn't do what's right. And I think that as millennial moms and in the way that I'm coining the term that exactly like you said, we have this power, we have the authority, we have the awareness, and we have the experience to parent in our completely own different way. And it looks different for every single mom. Yes, yes. And I that's exactly right. And so we need to use that power and that sense of like, yes, I know, like I might make mistakes. I think another thing that really marks the millennial generation of parents is like, we're, um, we're leaning into being imperfect and a bit messy, why a little less of a hot mess is kind of a play on, you know, moms are always saying like, I'm a hot mess. And it's like, let's be a little less of a hot mess, like inside, not like on the outside, like girl, do you like, I go to, I look like I'm in a hat. I like, I go to, I go to pick up, like not all put together. And some days I look like a million bucks at, at drop off. It just depends on the day. Like I'm free to do either. Um, and so I think there's this, this like imperfection in millennial motherhood that is really beautiful and also new to the space of motherhood. So you might find the older generations of parents and moms being like grandmas being like, oh my gosh, I would have never bought the store cake, store-bought cupcakes, or I would have never let my child talk to me like that. 
if my kid did that, you know, I, they would, whatever it was, you know, mm-hmm. they wouldn't get a timeout. They'd probably get a spanking or something, you know, and that those kind of things are just so far from how we, I think intuitively parent now that again, it, it, it's, oh, it's all the things it's challenging. And it's also like, yes, let's come back to what we know to be true and what feels good to us. And that's really what my book kind of leans into is um, let's help write a new story based on our values and what feels authentic and true to ourselves, not what we think we should do or who we think we should be as a mom, because we're more than a mom, right? We're also, we're a person, we're a whole human. And so I think anytime we can kind of work on our story to recognize and honor like ourselves beyond our role as mom, partner, professional, whatever it is, the better we are. I completely agree. And I love that, like, man, these questions are just segueing into each other. Yeah. We are rocking <laughs> and rolling. I love it because you recently hey, want to do a podcast together. What's that? <laughs> I said, Hey, want to do a podcast together? Weird. Don't, don't <laughs> tell me with a good time. I a hundred percent will be on board with that. Um, no, you, Caitlin, you posted yesterday, which was so on point. Um, this whole idea of not being a niche mm. and, you know, if you're a content creator, you at some point have been told, well, what's your, or asked, what's your niche or told to niche down. And that is something that I struggled with so much. And I continue to struggle with because I'm not a niche. (laughs) the, The way I look at it is that my dream has always been to be a talk show host, right? So Mm -hmm. I look at my feed as my talk show. And when you watch Oprah or you watch Drew Barrymore, you're getting a cooking segment here and there. You're getting a fashion tip here and there. You're getting some experts. It's, it's just kind of a variety. Variety. Yeah. Yeah. It's a variety of things. And I think that there's been this, um, especially I kind of feel like maybe through the pandemic and everything, when people were so heavily concentrated on an online presence that they felt like they needed to be a brand and they needed to have their niche. And I'm curious that, you know, I know in your reel, you mentioned like you, you see that happening and you're sick and tired of it, which I hear you. Um, what do you think kind of started this whole demand to niche down and to kind of fit in a certain box? Well, I think um, a couple things. I think you're right. It happened a lot for me and my own business at, during the pandemic. And um, at the time, I actually hired a social media manager, a VA actually, who helped mm-hmm. with social media and newsletter. And she was great. I loved her and all the help she gave. She was wonderful. But from um, people like VAs and social media marketers and those kind of like, you know, those sort of experts will really give us that advice. And I get it because it probably does eventually like gain your following or increase your following. But to some of us, most of us I'll say, and definitely me and you, it doesn't feel authentic to, for instance, like I am an anxiety expert. I know anxiety, like the back of my freaking hand, I could have an account and just talk about anxiety all day long, but I am not just an anxiety expert. I'm also deeply passionate about you know, women's mental health in general, motherhood, parenthood, writing. I love being creative. I love running. I love height. Like there's so much to me that I wouldn't want to just stick with one thing. And so I think that it came from good intention in the sense of like helping people grow their following to monetize their business. But like anything else, I think it just became 
too, like, and then people stopped questioning it. Like, yeah, of course you have to niche down. It's like, what? No, if sure. If you're like a brand, like Coca-Cola, like find your niche, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but I'm a human. I'm not a brand. I know they'll say you're, you are a brand in the sense of like everything you say represents something. I get that, but okay, fine. I'll be a brand, but I'll be my kind of brand that talks about lots of different things. Yeah. I think that there's something, maybe it's, I think the term brand got used too generally. I And I look at it, it just kind of as you're talking, I was thinking about it, where I think it's important to figure out your identity, yes. kind of figure out who you want to show up as online. And sure, maybe the person that you show up online isn't the person that is actually living in your body day to day. But I think the people who do show up authentically in their authentic identity are the people that you want to hang out with, that you want to be engaging with and that you want to see. And I think that there's been this big shift too of people wanting to see real. And this happened, I do, it's funny. I feel like there was kind of like a counterproductive shift happening throughout the pandemic where people appreciated seeing the real life of an individual and seeing like, oh man, we're going through the same shit together. We're seeing that and feeling more relatable. And more connected in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was this other kind of um, side of it where it was, no, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm selling. This is how I can make you better kind of feel. Mm. And I think that there was, you know, you either went for this is who I am, or this is what I can do for you. There were two different kind of shifts that I kind of got suckered into for a little bit. I'll I'll admit. Yeah, me too. Me too. I go back on my feet. I'm like, oh, I was really pushing for like coaching stuff here. It's like uh, trying, I convinced myself that I had to offer coaching on top of therapy because you know, I fell into that trap. Like I can see the evolution of me trying to find my identity online. And I feel like i finally just am there. Like I don't need someone to do write social media posts for me. Like maybe someday that will be the case, but right now I just want to show up how, how I am that day. And if I have something to say that I think is relatable or helpful, or just to say it like, great. If not, I won't post that day. And I think that feels different than how I used to feel about it. I felt like there was this pressure behind it. We've talked about that kind of offline. I feel like in our DMs too, about how you can take this moment and just be like, you know what? I don't, I don't feel like I'm adding value. I feel like I'm adding to the noise noise. Yeah. So I don't need to post today. And I, I've made that kind of, um, a, like a conscious choice of my, my own too. And with my content, but there is such a high percentage and a high population of moms on social media. And whether we are, you know, pushing our identity and ourselves as content creators and influencers, or we're just voyeurs and on social media to engage and to kind of see who's saying what, um, I'm curious on your thoughts as, do you think that being a mom in this age of social media is helping our parenting or hindering our parenting? I think it's both. And unfortunately, unfortunately, right. So I think it's like, I think it's helping in that. Gosh, I know for me, I found a lot of really wonderful resources online. Um, 
that's actually how I found out about fair play, which I love. Um, that's how I found you, right? Like it's just, that's how I got connected with Hey Mama and my book publisher. There's been some wonderful parts of it. I mean, I love seeing pictures of like what my old friends and family are up to, but then the other side of it is feel like, I think it can add to when, when there's so much noise, it can add to like this feeling of like, there being like a void that you need to fill. Like what I'm doing isn't quite enough, or I could be doing that, or look how that person is showing up. Ooh, should I try that? And sometimes I just, I think that that energy could be spent better elsewhere. In fact, I know it could be right. And so for me right now, I think, I think it's both. And I think we have to be super conscious about how we spend time on social media, who we follow, what we say, what we do, and ask ourselves that question that you said, like, is this, is this adding value or is this feel good to me to say, cause that's okay too. If you maybe don't know if you're adding value or you're just sharing a part of your life because you want to, or you're doing it cause you think you should or need to, or just to like stay in the loop. Right. I think, or kind of keep up. So I ask myself that a lot. Now I also ask myself like, could you just have this moment offline? And would that just be okay? Right. Like, oh, that's, that's what my like, husband tries to do all the yeah. time. It was so funny because we were watching, uh, we're big LeBron James fans and yeah. we we're watching him, you know, beat the record and everything. Yeah. And my husband saw a picture and he was like, look at this. And he zoomed in. And so it's like, it's LeBron from the back as he's shooting and he zoomed in and all you see in the stands is everyone standing like this, holding their phone up. Yes. And he made the comment. He's like, there isn't one person that's just being there and Present. watching it with their own eyes. Like they're watching it through the screen. That when you they, have like the, how many thousands of dollars did you pay to be there watching it with your that's two exactly eyes? It. Yeah. He, he was just, it's a like, trip. And, and we he, tries in- to, he really tries to get me to kind of look at things that way too. He's like, can't you just enjoy it? Do you have to take a picture right now? And mm-hmm. and that's hard too, as someone who is a very social outgoing, yeah. like I've always pictured my life being documented in some way, whether it yeah. be, you know, on screen or whatever. So well, it brings you joy to, to, to document things, right? Yeah, Otherwise you yeah. wouldn't do it. I sense that about you and that's okay. But sometimes, right. You're choosing to say, this moment is I'm choosing to have this moment offline. I'm choosing to just right. be in this moment. Or are you creating a moment that isn't necessarily authentic to post and add to the noise, right? Yes. Like, I've done that, that before. I hate the, when I look, when I, when I've seen, when I know I'm doing that and it's, it's been a while to be fair, yeah. but I hate that. It doesn't feel good for me. And then I'm like, oh, that was unnecessary. You know, totally. So, I've been a lot more aware of that too. Yeah. And I wonder this too, before I know we've been chatting for a while, but I think that like for me, when I look back at my early motherhood experience, when I first had, I had two kid, two girls really close together. They were, they're six, 15 months apart. Mm-hmm. So I was like really pretty deep in like baby blues or just like feeling overwhelmed. And I would take yet. Yeah, I would take pictures of everything. And I have a private account. That's really just like family pictures. Mm-hmm. All I did, I, this was before I started my, my professional, you know, account, I would just post so many pictures of the kids. And I felt like I was pulling for joy. I was trying to find something. I wasn't like, look at my life. It's perfect. I think I truly was trying to like make some excitement where it felt like there were, there was none. You were creating a narrative, right? Yes. You were kind of putting, I totally can relate to that. I get yeah. that. Cause that was kind of how my Instagram account evolved. Cause yeah, I had my own personal one for a very long time. And then, uh, when I was on maternity leave, I wanted to 
make cute onesies for Kennedy. Yes. And I started making them and like, I would take pictures and I would, you know, be covered in spit up and like be screaming and being so frustrated. But then I'm like, okay, sit here and take a picture. And then yeah. <laughs> writing this caption, that's like, we oh, all love the, the best Par- part of my day. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. And that was like, I think that again, that's the evolution of social media. I think that's how a lot of us started off yeah. documenting pictures of our baby. Like this is like our baby book. And like, we're just going to put the, each month we're going to put the one month, two month, three month sign on. We're going to totally. smile. Meanwhile, and we all do it and miserable don't... at home. Sorry. Yeah. I hope I can swear on your podcast. You yeah. can totally swear. It's fine. Yeah. Or click the little button when I added it. No. Yeah. No, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know? No, I think that there's, again, there's this unrealistic expectation that we are all putting on each other because we're just faking it when we put those, you know, one month pictures or whatever it might be. Um, This goes back again to be showing up as our authentic selves when we can and when we should and letting others know that it's not all sunshine and rainbows. And, you know, one thing that we kind of touched upon it when we were first talking about moms on social media is that, and I talk about this a lot. I, I use the term, the comparative narrative Mm. that I think a lot of us, especially in our generation have created for ourselves. And it's this We're not doing the same thing that, you know, Sarah's doing because we see her perfect Christmas card photo on Instagram. Like, how come I didn't do that? Or it's, well, if she's looking like that after she had a baby three months ago, how come I don't look like that three years after I had a baby? We create this comparative narrative that really does no good to ourselves. And it's so sad because I, I see a lot of people that you know, they'll say to me, they're like, wait, you feel this way, but you always look so happy. You always Mm. are posting this. And I'm like, yes, but that's because exactly to your point too. It's a moment though. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it made me feel good to post that in a moment too. And maybe I needed to post it to convince myself that I was Mm -hmm. feeling great and that I was feeling confident. And, you know, you kind of almost need those things. So I think it's important to, as you're scrolling and as you feel like you're starting to compare and maybe you're looking at posts that are making you feel negative about yourself, carefully curate your feed. You can unfollow, you can mute, you can, you know, hide people. So you don't have to necessarily unfollow them, but you don't have to see them in your feed. And I've done that. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not making you feel good or if it's not serving you and if it's adding to that noise. So I always try to remind people that they have complete control over their social media and to use it for good and not evil. Yes. Yeah, I've, even, others. I've even unfollowed people that I, that I like as people, but I just can't handle the content or it's too much, or I'm like, it's totally. giving me some kind of feeling like I don't, you know, and I also think I, I wanted to add, because you asked about, like, we were talking about like the pressures and like how it's different. What about like kind of what characterizes millennial motherhood? Yeah. I do think there's one one thing that probably was more helpful for the generation of moms before us is that they didn't like her, you know, it's both and right. Social media can be, can be resourceful and good, but they didn't have social media and on the other side of things. So they weren't, they didn't have the comparative narrative as much as we do. Maybe they had it in a different way. Sure. Like they saw people, uh, you know, they still could see people out in the world, but they weren't constantly fed with images of what other people are doing and and how good their life is quote unquote. Right. So I do think it was, again, that's another hard thing that we deal with in our, for the first time ever in our generation of parents. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the constant, it's the, um, like that constant feeling of seeing what other people are doing. And I, I want to say, I want to say it was during the panel uh, and forgive me if it was you that said it, but someone said it at, Hey mama about how 
the number of images we are fed and the amount of information that we are fed on the daily is more than any other generation that's ever existed Mm -hmm. because like we are seeing what people ate for breakfast. No other generation needed to know or found out what everyone was eating for breakfast in the past. So I think our brain's not meant to take in that much stimuli. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Exactly. I know like our brain is not meant for that. So it's so different where we know what, you know, maybe mom or girls that we went to high school with, we know what they're doing and how they're yeah. parenting and everything where our moms had to wait to the 20th reunion yeah. to find <laughs> no, out like what their totally. kids were doing. Right. So yeah. there's just this constant influx of influences that come our way that continuously add to the comparison. And affect our mood. And, you know, it, it's really, yeah, it really is, um, it seems innocent, right. To, to open up a social media app and I'm not against social media clearly. Right. Um, yeah, but I, but I, but I do think it's the awareness there of like opening it up seems innocent and like no big deal, but what you're really doing is you're feeding your brain and then your body with all these feelings and sensations that you wouldn't have necessarily had if you didn't access an info. So I think we get to know this and experience this, and then we can talk to our kids about it and, and really influence the way that, you know, we help them think about social media and their phone use and all that stuff. That's a whole nother topic, but yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's, I feel like I can talk to you for I hours know. and hours Same. and it could be really fun. Um, <laughs> but while we wrap up, I yeah. want to know kind of what's coming next from you. And then also make sure you tell everyone where they can find you. Sure. So the problem with me is I have a million ideas um, and they're all, I think, good ideas, but they're hard to execute. Um, I'm all, I think they're good ideas, but no, I really, for me next, there's going to be a new book on the horizon. Um, I have two book proposals in the work right now. One is a children's children's book sort of, but it's also meant for parents and moms to be kind of like a more modern approach to parenting books. Um, So it would be acknowledging like both the child's feeling and the mom's feelings. Like I essentially like, I want to be here for you at night when you want to tell me all the things before bed, but mommy's really tired, right? It's been a long day instead of like, everything's perfect and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, I'm still doing, I I do a lot of speaking and talking about women's mental health um, and fair play. So um, right now it's just working on two new book proposals, um, keeping up with my therapy clients, um, writing when I can. And you can find me um, at Caitlin.Sule. It's like soul with an E, S-O-U-L-E. And then you can buy my book, A Little Less of a Hot Mess, anywhere books are sold, including Amazon um, and Barnes and Nobles and all those places online. So yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. I can already tell this will not be the last of our conversations. I can't wait to, uh, I'll link everything. I can't wait to chat with you more, but everything will be linked in the show notes and we will chat soon. Okay. Thanks Casey. It was such a pleasure to be on and yeah, I could chat with you forever. So we'll talk soon. (laughs) We'll make it happen. Thanks girl. Bye. Thanks so much for checking out Millennial Mom. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. I would love for you to take a moment to rate and review the episode wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast. Remember to hit me up on social media. You can find me on Instagram at It's Casey Potts or by visiting my website, www.caseypotts.com.